0: The scripture reading today is 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because we are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the... Well, no running up to the podium today. Uh, as Roger said earlier, we're needing, the staff is needing to be careful right now. And so whether you're in person or whether you're watching on the live stream, uh, this is a recording. But I'm, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to bring this message to you. Back in 1976, when I was uh, all of 12 years old, our family took a a wonderful journey to Australia. We spent a year there, went to school there, made several trips to go all over the the country. It was always kind of interesting to me. Uh, In 1976, Australia wasn't any kind of a third-world country. But when you traveled from city to city, it wasn't big, wide highways like I was used to in the United States. And, you know, Dad kind of said he knew where he was going and, and lo and behold I think there were a couple of times where he kind of stopped and we stopped and I saw him get out and kind of figure but but he he got us there whether it was going to Adelaide or going up to Brisbane but uh, in at, towards the end of our trip we made uh, one of the, the events that kind of has stuck with me as much as anything from Australia we made a trip to a place uh, in the Northern Territory uh, that was called at that time Ayers Rock. It's now called Uluru, the na- native name for it, and it is one of the most unique geologic and uh, and but is is quite large. Extends out of the desert significantly. It is one of those places that uh, is kind of unique in that. Uh, because it's in the middle of the desert and because it's this uh, single stone, they have some temperature variations there. You, you have at, at sunset particularly the changing and the deepening of the colors there. Well, getting there is quite an adventure. It's not exactly like uh, just kind of driving down the highway. In fact, it's only 150 miles from a town named Alice Springs, which is where we kind of set up our base camp. But it takes you two days, or in, sorry, in 1976, it took you two days to get there. You traveled about 75 miles south on a road that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers built during World War II, which is actually in pretty good shape, and at that time was the only road that actually went from the North, northern territory, northern coast of Australia, all the way down to the southern coast of Australia. But then, about 75 miles after you left Affleck Strings, you turned right. On a road, well, it was just barely qualified as a road. We we discovered that there were two guys with graders that tried to keep it smooth, and they basically pulled a camper behind them and covered that 75 miles from one end to the other, trying to smooth out this road. It took basically two days to cover the 75 miles on that road. It was bumpy. It was rough. And you had to have pretty well everything you needed with you because you were going to spend the night in the middle, not in a Motel 6, uh, not in anything, but just on the side of the road. And, of course, in 1976, our transportation was a little less than premium. This isn't exactly the vehicle. I'm fairly certain the color wasn't green, but it, it was a vehicle like this that had a little camper, had a little stove, refrigerator, those kinds of things, had a lower bed for mom and dad, had an upper bunk bed for my sister and I, and we had a whole other family with an infant with us, believe it or not, who just set up their tent and, and did their thing that way. So off we went two days of driving and we came upon Ayers Rock and we looked at the color change that first night only to wake up the next morning with an event that only occurs about every two or three years in the middle of one of the driest deserts in the whole world it started raining again in the middle of the desert we were there for five days and over two to three days we got two to three years worth of rain according to their statistics The rock looked a lot like this image does. It was amazing to be there. And again, we got to see things that most people never get to see, at least not in person, because of the water hitting that rock and causing these waterfalls and coming pouring off again. There's nowhere for it to go except to run off the rock. But it made camping a little bit more miserable than we might have wanted to. But what we didn't anticipate is if we thought the road on the way and you don't get to see what's under the water, was uh, headed back in, and we got to one of those puddles, and the front wheels dropped off in a hole, and it flooded the carburetor. This is long before fuel injection flooded the carburetor, and we were there for about two hours. The amazing thing was is that I never saw my dad panic. I can imagine as a dad now how How worried I would be, are we going to get out of this? But some people stopped who had a mechanic with them. And I mean, the dad, the person, one of the people in that group was a mechanic and he showed us how to get the carburetor dried out. But then what started as a slow trip now became every single time we came up to one of those puddles, Dad, and in one of those unique moments in my life, Dad invited me. To come and help him because what we would do is walk into the puddle and be sure there were no holes. Kind of put a stick out there and check and see what was going and then here would come the van. We did that for 75 miles over two days. It's an amazing process to be led in that way. Not knowing that where you're going, not knowing where the pitfalls are, not knowing exactly what you're going to do around the next corner. And yet you go one step at a time, with somebody leading you, who's going to protect and care for, and make sure that things are good. It was an amazing story in my life, but uh, the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt in the Exodus is even more amazing. They had been in slavery for 400 years. They had. Uh, really not, that so many generations had come and gone where they didn't travel at all, that they didn't know, have any idea where they were going when they headed out into the desert. But God was not going to leave them alone. Chapter 13 even says that he didn't want them to go the traditional way, maybe the way that Moses had come, the short way. He wanted to do some special things with their directions. And so he was going to give them clear instructions about exactly how to go the way he wanted them to. And so verse 20 starts with, After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And here it is. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud, making sure there weren't any pitfalls, making sure that they went the right direction. And then at night in a pillar of fire. Now you've seen these things to give them light. You've seen pictures of them. You've heard this story. But isn't this really interesting? No army until just in the last few decades could do this, but they could travel by day or by night because God knew where he was going, and he was going to like the way he was going to make it clear. Pretty amazing idea of them being able to travel either by day or by night because they trusted in his leader. Well, the image of God as a shepherd, the image of God as a leader and guide, the image of God as as that person who led them was a powerful way in which God was like a father. And this image of the shepherd and the guide Leading the people is is one that permeates the Old Testament from, again, these stories in the early beginning part and well into the prophets. It's not a big surprise that Jesus would pick up that idea, except what he recognizes so often is that the the Jewish leaders are poor shepherds in doing what they're doing. If we're going to be a people of God's living hope, we're going to be a people engaged in the renewing that He wants to bring that uh, that, that we wants to bring that will for all of us. We will have to be led well. We need to go the direction that God wants us to go. And not only do we need to go the direction God wants us to go, we need to go in a way that reflects the ways that He wants us to do that. There are very few places in Scripture where a renewing is going to take place. Like 40 years later, again, the exodus and 40 years later, you're going to live in a way you haven't really lived before. and You're in a new relationship with me, and I want to, to renew the whole world. I want the whole world to know who I am and how they can be blessed, how they can be blessed by their Creator because of what you do in the promised land. I'm going to give you the land so that you can be that witness. I'm going to lead you in there so that you can be that witness. I want you to help me let the whole world know that God is ready to make something new and wonderful. So let's listen to that very, very familiar passage. That very familiar passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And maybe hear it just slightly differently. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And now listen, here's how you're gonna make that renewal happen. These commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts have to be part of you, not just something you pick up and read. They have to be part of you. And then the next thing. And you're going to impress them. What's on, what God puts on your heart, you're going to impress those things on your children. And this is not just going to be a school activity because you're going to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you're at home, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. And when you lie down at night and when you rise up in the morning. It's pretty powerful words. And they're powerful words because we talk about the love we have for God. But then they're powerful words because then God says, and here's how you can get on board with me and you can help yourselves and the next generation be part of the way that I am going to change the world, the way that I want to renew the world. That critical moment God steps in And this incredible implication that God says it's not just going to be Moses, it's not just going to be the leaders, it's not going to be the judges, it is going to be you parents. And let me be specific, it probably really leans into being the fathers, the fathers to lead their children, the fathers to love God, the fathers to let those commandments come into their hearts and the fathers to teach those children. Yes, it includes the mothers, but very much we see the picture of fathers being called to step into the role of leadership for a family. And so these calls to impress them on your children, to bind it on your heart, to love the Lord, go especially to the leaders. Focus on the Family this week produced an article called The Superpowers of Dad. You can find it at www.family.org. And they talk all about the way dads are very, very special. And not only can you do searches at Focus on the Family, but you can point towards uh, many secular, much secular research that points towards the importance of fathers being engaged with the families and how that changes the dynamic of what kids are doing. I encourage you to take a look at that article. You'll enjoy it. It'll be a blessing for you. So if we're going to be, if this living hope of God needs parents, and I'm going to say today, especially dads, to invest in his renewing in unique ways, then how are we going to accomplish that? Now let's be sure and say I'm talking to dads in a a specific kind of way, but this is true for all of us. Because we all have a place where we lead. We all have a place where we're a shepherd and a guide. We all have a place where we get to help invest in, re- in the renewal that God is doing in the word. word. So first of all, if we're going to be investing in renewing, then we're going to have to be people who know God. We are people who are knowing God well enough to see the world the way that He sees the world. Jeremiah chapter three talks about shepherds who who have God's that, that have hearts for God. They teach God's values. They see justice the way God sees justice. As long as we continue to see the world the way the wor- to see things around us the way the world does. Instead of the way that God does, and as long as we continue to evaluate the things around us, simply based on how we can get ahead or what's best for us, then we are missing seeing what God has for us. And to know God in that way is going to take studying the Bible. It's going to take prayer. And even maybe more than just study and prayer. It's going to take practicing. You've got to get out there and see how it works in reality. It's not about the success or failure of it, but it is the idea that when I say, I'm going to try something the way you want me to do it, I'm going to practice this, God, that God teaches us more than when we just kind of sit and read, oh, yes, this is true, or we just pray, God, please help me. We get out there and practice, and we start seeing it a little more the way God does. We start aligning our values a little more with God's, We start aligning what justice is in the world, much more the way God sees it. Second, we need to be finding the keys to our own tender, loving care. And yes, you're right. This is one particularly pointed towards our dads. Finding your own tender, loving care. We've been raised, so many of us, with that kind of sense of, I need to be the tough guy. I need to be the strong one. And maybe don't, don't include that idea of having that tenderness, that gentleness. Strength is nothing without the gentleness, and gentleness is empty without strength, but, but we have to bring that into the relationships, particularly in our families, with our wives and our children, but they should actually spill out into all of our relationships. Isaiah chapter 40 talks about God is going to bring to them a shepherd and that he is that shepherd, but I think we can even point toward Jesus being that shepherd who is going to be one who takes them up in his arms and carries them tenderly and brings them his care in a very, very tender kind of way. You see, this has got to be more than just working on not losing our temper and make no mistakes, dads. If If you're like me and struggle with your temper at all, we have to help our children. But most importantly, we need to help our sons figure out how to deal with those kinds of feelings and to not let them damage relationships, even though we have that intense sense of of, uh, what am I going to do in this moment? Sometimes anger, sometimes because you see something's wrong, but still... We've got to figure out a way to invest in discovering God's tender, loving care for us. And dads, we need to teach our sons as they grow how to be those tender, loving, care kind of men. Not that that diminishes our strength, but because it it is about harnessing the strength that we want them to have. Finally... If we're going to be dads who are investing in renewing, we're going to have to be dads, and in reality, we're going to have to be people who know our children, know the children growing up in our churches, knowing the children growing up in our families well enough to reach them and to develop them. Ezekiel chapter 34, it goes on and on about the way the, the leaders had failed God's people. And one of the ways that they failed them is that all they cared about was themselves. They didn't invest any time in caring about the people. They, they wound up getting uh, straying away because nobody was caring for them. We've got to know who our children are. We've got to see their talents and our gifts. We've got to invest time in them. And then we need to figure out how to develop them not into some sort of cookie cutter that kind of fits into our picture of what we want them to be but fits into God's picture of what he wants them to be. And maybe in that process we get to know ourselves a little better and we start fitting into God's plan in a new and different way because it's the way that God designed us not just the way we are trying to imitate someone else or meet some expectation that we think is there. Finally, love these words. We read them earlier. Randy read them earlier from 1 Peter. Be shepherds, and and I'm just going to put this in, be shepherds of your flock. Be shepherds of your flock. Eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted in you, but being an example to the flock. And then the promise, and when the great shepherd appears... Because of what you've invested in being a leader and being a guide and being a shepherd. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That sounds like a promise that I want to pursue and I want to ask you to join me in pursuing that goal.